Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we pray now one of the most ancient prayers of the church. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you come and refresh us today, fall upon us, and open our eyes and our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and a happy Pentecost to all of you. Here we are, believe it or not, at the end of May. I've learned recently uh, through Mike that May is such a crazy month for most people, it started to be lovingly referred to by many as may Simber. Have any of you heard this word, may Simber? Only a few things happen this month. Uh, graduations, weddings, Mother's Day, Memorial Day, travel, vacations, family coming into town, concerts, recitals, tests, exams, papers, sports, and maybe, craziest of all, trips to Costco. That all happens this month. We all know this, uh, living in Northern Virginia, that this can be a crazy place to live and work and drive, and it does seem that at this time of the year, this month, uh, the craziness, the insanity sort of gets ratcheted up a little bit. And a lot of the people I've talked to recently, even some of the people in my own house, seem to be a bit exhausted. Now, this is a safe place this morning. We are in church, so you can be honest with me. Within the last few days or weeks, has anyone in here felt maybe a little bit or a lot exhausted? Anybody in here today? Okay. Well, if that's you, then congratulations. You have officially been pre-qualified, and you officially meet the requirements for Pentecost. Congratulations. You meet the requirements, all the criteria for an infilling of the very power of God, the very presence of God, the promise of Jesus, the very person of God, the Holy Spirit. Good news this Pentecost Today, for anyone who checks any of the following boxes, see if any, or maybe all, who knows, of these describe you. Worn out, burned out, or flat out. Maybe this describes you. Exhausted, exasperated, or just plain done. Running on fumes, running ragged, or running out of energy. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're a bit discouraged. Maybe you're a bit disillusioned. Maybe you feel a little lonely or empty, beat up or worked up. Maybe you feel spiritually dry or physically tired or emotionally spent. Maybe you're a bit sleep deprived, overscheduled, underappreciated. If any of those ring true for you, or again, maybe all of those, ring true for some of you, then you meet the criteria for Pentecost, which incidentally is the same criteria for salvation. You know what that one criteria is? Neediness. That's the same criteria for salvation as it is for Pentecost, and it's neediness. The thing that we contribute to Pentecost is the same thing we contribute to our salvation. And it's absolutely nothing. 
we bring our nothingness and God brings his everything, period. That's how it works, praise God. There's a great old hymn that describes this whole criteria thing quite well. It goes like this, come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you. Catch this, full of pity, love, and power. I like that because it clarifies for me to whom the invitation of salvation is addressed to sinners, to poor people, to needy, weak, wounded people. That's the invitation for salvation and for Pentecost. That's the criteria. Notice that the hymn doesn't say this, at least the last time I checked a hymnal. It doesn't say this. Come, you well-dressed Northern Virginians, wealthy, well-groomed, well-to-do. Jesus noticed. You impressed him. Now he'll give some time to you. That's not what it says. It's not the criteria, and yet that's how a lot of us think the whole thing works, whether it's being saved or being filled. A lot of us think that at some level, the criteria to come to God is that we have to have our stuff together, and that would be to have the whole thing backwards. Here are the next verse of the actual hymn this time. It says it well. Come, ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry, means if you wait till you're better, you will never come at all. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. And now here's the criteria for salvation, and here's the criteria for Pentecost. You ready for it? All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. That's what it is. That's all the fitness he requires, or requireth, if you'd rather speak in that language. Requireth is to feel your need of him. The precondition for our salvation is the same precondition for Pentecost, for an infilling of the Holy Spirit, and it's this, to feel your need of him. You feel your need of him this morning, do you? I hope you do. Because that's what Pentecost is all about. Feel your need of him. And what we find in him, what we can receive afresh from him, even today, this Pentecost, is inexhaustible power. Inexhaustible power for a bunch of exhausted people. <laughs> and that describes every last one of the disciples who were gathered in that upper room that day, incidentally. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 gives us a pretty broad setting of the scene for Pentecost. Just one verse. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And because of what we know they had been through, we know that these people gathered on Pentecost were genuinely exhausted. We have four gospels before the book of Acts that give us plenty of background on what would have left them exhausted. Just think about it for a minute. If you had been one of them, all you would have walked through, all you would have seen, all you would have 
heard all the highs and the lows, you would have been exhausted. Just think about the week they experienced before Jesus' death, the weeks they had experienced after Jesus' death. It was their version of May-Simber for them. Everything was thrown into a short period of time. And so I mean this quite seriously, without any sarcasm or cynicism, truly. The disciples that we read about who were experiencing that first Pentecost, they all needed counseling. After all they had been through, things they had seen and heard, what had happened in the garden, what had happened with Judas. Had they really seen that guy's ear get cut off and get put on his head again in a moment? Then there was the death. They had seen Jesus die. They'd seen the sky turn black. They'd seen dead people come out of the tombs. Then Jesus came out of his tomb. And then think about this, that they had just seen. Acts chapter 1 tells us the disciples had seen Jesus defy gravity behind the clouds. Not exactly something they or we would be used to seeing. The thing they had seen go the highest was a bird in those days. And then they see Jesus vanish from their sight. So the disciples on Pentecost, and this is why we are in such good company, they would have been exhausted, traumatized. I bet they were pretty burned out. So when the day of Pentecost came, verse one, they were all together in one place, exhausted. That's what they brought to the table on Pentecost. And that's what we bring to the table on Pentecost. So we can get real today and you can be real. You can come to Jesus exhausted. I wonder how you're doing personally. I wish I had time to ask each of you that question. How are you doing personally? What have you been through recently? Have you been through any trials, trauma, or difficulty, highs and lows? Are you in the middle of an insane season? On the other hand, do you feel maybe a little frozen but the disciples felt pretty frozen. They were shocked. Uh, their, their leader just left them frozen. Then maybe, maybe, just maybe, you were more ready to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit than you think you are. And how about us corporately as the church? What have we been through recently? It's been a quiet few years around here, hasn't it? <laughs> have we faced any difficulty or transition or planet-shaking pandemics, well then maybe, who knows, just maybe we're more ready as a church to receive a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit than we might think we are. Because here's how it works. It's amazing. The more lifeless we are, the more ready to receive life we are. The more empty we are, the more ready to be filled we are. The more frozen we are, the more frozen we are then maybe the more ready for the fire of God we are. And Pentecost is proof of that today. Proof of inexhaustible power for exhausted people. Now I know we have our churro kids in the room today. Churro kids, are you out there? Do I, are any of you here, churro kids? Okay, just one or two, okay. Uh, Churro kids are here today. So I brought a prop, okay? I have a prop up here with me. Um, I thought I might keep you somewhat interested. During this sermon on Pentecost, let me get this ready. Okay. So I brought my old, and I mean my old trombone with me today. Thank you. I bought this thing in circa 1996. Lewis Music. 
downtown Kissimmee, Florida. It has traveled with me my whole life since then, even though I have no idea how to play it anymore. I used to be first chair in my middle school symphonic band trombone section. Thank you very much. Thank you. My skills have dropped considerably since then. Here's what I want to illustrate. So here I have in my hands a trombone. Can you all verify just by, this is a real, real trombone. It's not a, it's not a balloon trombone. But it cannot play itself, can it? No matter how hard it tries, it actually can't try at all. On its own, without breath breathed into it, it's lifeless. Now after you hear it in a minute, you're going to wish it remained lifeless. So what does this trombone bring to the table on its own? Absolutely nothing. It needs breath breathed into it. It needs an outside force to act upon it to bring it alive. So I apologize for the noise that's about to come out of this thing. But it's Pentecost Sunday, so um, why not? So here's an outside force. Breath coming alive into the trombone. Here we go. Mike, ready, Mike? That's it. You know, yeah. What is that? Thank you. That is, uh, that's verse two. Uh, a sound like a mighty rushing wind. That's what that is. Some of you are thinking verse 13 right now. He is filled with new wine. But I am not. <clears throat> I am not. We bring our need. We bring our emptiness. And God breathes into us and through us. Thought it'd be helpful for us. Just zoom out with me for a minute. It's Pentecost. It's a big deal in the arc of redemptive history. Why is Pentecost such a big deal? So we just zoom out for a minute with me. Just get a grasp of, of God the Holy Spirit at work throughout the whole Old Testament. In Genesis 1-3, he's hovering over the waters. Somebody say, Ruach, Ruach. It's a great word. The breath of God, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Then the Bible progresses. The Spirit is described as either filling or resting or rushing upon people like Moses and Joshua, Balaam, and Saul. The Spirit speaks to David. David hears him. The Spirit speaks through the prophets. The prophets can be thought of as like a mouthpiece. They're God's mouthpiece. The Spirit speaks through the prophets. The Spirit is busy in Ezekiel. The Spirit lifts him up, enters him, falls upon him, gives him a vision of a valley of dry bones, empty, lifeless, dead, helpless, dry bones that God breathes upon and turns them into something that they could not turn themselves into. Joel points to an outpouring of the Spirit. Micah points to a Savior filled with the Spirit. Haggai points to an abiding presence of the Spirit who will never leave. Zechariah, the prophet, points to a God who will accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish, not by might, nor by power, but by his Spirit. And then Jesus arrives on the scene. The true and greater final prophet, and he announces the fulfillment of all the pointing of the Old Testament and promises that even though he's going to ascend to his Father in glory, he will give us another helper. That's what we heard in John 14 earlier. Give us another helper. 
In John 20, he says he will breathe upon us his Holy Spirit. And then he says in John 7, for all who believe in him, out of his heart, out of the believer's heart will flow rivers of living water. John clarifies, this he said about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised to be a river of living water for you, believer. And so that's why Pentecost is such good news because on that day, a bunch of exhausted, traumatized people who need counseling are together in one place and they're needy and they're worn out and they're empty. And Acts 2 verse 2 tells us they experience a genuine outpouring. Verse 2, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was a genuine outpouring because of the direction from which it came. It's right there in verse 2. You see it. The giveaway. Standard, the indicator of any genuine move of God. It came from heaven. The disciples were decidedly unimpressive and unprepared. They had not lowered the lights. They had forgotten to plug in the smoke machine. Their pews may not have had pew cushions. I don't know. Acts doesn't specify. But they were hungry. That's what they had. They were hungry. They were desperate, spiritually desperate, and they had been praying, and God met their need. God met their genuine need, not their genuine impressiveness, but their genuine need with a genuine outpouring. Notice with me uh, in verse 2, the Spirit fills the room, and then in verse 4, the Holy Spirit fills them. So God, by his Holy Spirit, can fill the temple, the place, And by its Holy Spirit, he fills the temples, the people. And what happened then? What happened as a result of this filling should be instructive to us? Because we're not the same people as them. It's not the same time, day, culture as them. But it's the same Holy Spirit. I want to get that across every Pentecost. It's not a lesser Holy Spirit that we experience. It's not a diluted Holy Spirit because it's been so long. The Holy Spirit available to us, the Holy Spirit poured out upon us, the Holy Spirit that fills us is the very same Holy Spirit, very same Holy Spirit described to us in the book of Acts that was hovering over the waters at the beginning of time. When there is a genuine move of God, when there is a genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Another indicator of that, yes, is the direction from which it comes, but another indicator is what happens. The whole book of Acts tells us tons of things that happen. (laughs) Tons of things happen as a result of the outpouring of the Spirit. Here's a small sample. Fellowship, worship, mission, healing, teaching, gospel proclamation, church planting, spiritual warfare, opposition, miracles, Conversions, nothing more and nothing less than the expansion of the church into every culture, country, city, under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this takes the whole book of Acts to explore. So for our purposes and in our limited time today, let me just point out two things 
from our text. Two things that happen when a genuinely exhausted people experience a genuine inexhaustible power of God. Why does he come among us? Why does he come upon us? One reason is for worship. Verse four, once again, if you look at it with me, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This utterance, all sorts of languages, verses five through 11, tell us which ones exactly, was not just chaotic gibberish, even though some people on the outside thought it was. The utterance, this Holy Spirit directed and enabled utterance was the utterance of worship. Why do I say this? Because of the last half of verse 11. We hear them telling, the, the people outside talking, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So that's the first sign, one sign of the Spirit in our midst. He points to Jesus. Jesus told us this would happen, by the way. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, when the Spirit of truth comes, Jesus said this, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will glorify me. So if the Spirit glorifies Christ, then a telltale sign that the Spirit has filled us is that we glorify Christ. This happened on Pentecost, and it should happen today. The Holy Spirit interacts with our mind and our heart and our soul and even our tongue and leads us to Christ, orients us, points us to Christ. It might be sometimes in your native language when it comes out of you. It might be in a spiritual language, a language that he gives you. But it's not chaotic gibberish. It's worship. Sometimes we experience this here. A song will end and it will just feel appropriate. Like the spirit is leading us. Just take a moment, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, three hours. And just express praise uh, to God. It's just the spirit interacting with our minds and our hearts. I almost want to do it right now just to prove that when it happens, no one swings from the chandeliers uh, the last time I checked. The spirit interacts with our mind, our heart, our soul, our tongue, and he leads us to worship, not into chaos, not into chaos, but towards Christ. Some of you are worried that if you surrender to the Holy Spirit, you're going to be walking down the produce aisle at Safeway one day and start prophesying in tongues uncontrollably or something. It's not going to happen. The Spirit comes to give you good gifts and to point you to Jesus. That's one reason why he comes upon us is for worship. Another reason we see here in Acts is for witness. Remember verse 11 again. It doesn't recount the crowd saying this. The crowd doesn't say, we hear them speaking in tongues. Even though they were speaking in tongues, the crowd could discern the content of the gospel and what the people were speaking in tongues about. Verse 11 is specific. We hear them telling in our own tongues, what? The mighty works of God. That's witness. It's gospel witnesses that God has created. Gospel witnesses. So go a few verses later, look in the rest of the book of Acts. Peter's preaching the gospel. 
We're going to sing it later. And the church of Christ was born. And the spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old. Shall not kneel, shall not faint. The flame of the witness of the spreading of the gospel was lit by the Holy Spirit. And that's the flame the Holy Spirit wants to light inside of you today. And he wants to light inside of this church. He wants to continue to light it. It's not just a one and done type of fuel by the Holy Spirit. It's a continual lighting of the flame and inflaming of the flame, a fanning of the flame. The Holy Spirit is not a pond. The Holy Spirit is a river of living water, of rushing water. The minute you feel empty, then great, come back to him. The minute you feel tired, great, come back to him. The minute you feel frozen, come back to him. The Holy Spirit is the fire of God. This is why we exist to be filled with the Spirit for worship and for witness. It's not enough for us just to be another social club in Northern Virginia. It's not enough for us just to maintain these buildings and have some events and have some meetings. It's not enough for us to have good music and good food and good programs. Jesus did not ascend into heaven and send the Holy Spirit upon his church so we just sit around and look at each other all the time. It's not why we exist. We exist for worship and for witness. We exist to celebrate and to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That's why God wants to pour his Holy Spirit out upon us like a fire and like a mighty rushing wind. This is the point of Pentecost. And the point of Pentecost is to point the Holy Spirit, the promise of God is poured out in full measure upon you and me. We're lifeless instruments without him. We have no breath in us without him. He breathes into us. He points us to Jesus. That's worship. And he uses us to point to Jesus. That's witness. And this is the inexhaustible power of God for an exhausted people. He meets our genuine exhaustion, neediness, weariness with a genuine outpouring. So come, you sinners, poor and needy. Come, you weary, heavy laden. All the fitness he requireth is that you feel your need of him. We all need it. Continually, we all need a fresh infilling because we're all sinners, we're all needy, we're all weary, and we're all leaky vessels. And I heard this one time from a preacher, but I can't for the life of me remember who it was. He said this, the best way to fill a leaky vessel is to submerge it. And on Pentecost... And every day since then, we are invited, especially here at the end of Maycember, <laughs> to be more and more submerged in the Holy Spirit, the inexhaustible power of God. I want that for me. I want that for you. I want that for this church. That we would be more and more submerged in the Holy Spirit. Would you like to receive more of him today? Would you like Truro to receive more of him today? All we need to do is ask.
So would you stand with me and let's ask. If you're comfortable, you don't have to do this. Just put your hands out like this, like you would to receive a good gift. God says if you, earthly parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those of you who ask? So Lord, we ask and we seek and we knock. We ask that you would pour your Holy Spirit out afresh upon us. Fill us fire of God. Fill us breath of God. We bring to you our exhaustion, our weariness, our neediness, maybe our frozenness. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with life anew. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us, refresh us, point us to Jesus in worship, and use us to point to Jesus in witness. Just take a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your good gift, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.